All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms leaves. To the line, Hughes, scores! In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. here like I don't I won't cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and Valentine's Day wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week. Canucks Conversation is presented by the great folks 
at Zephyr Epic and have I ever been having a week getting some hockey cards here. My Nikita Triamkin collection continues to grow. A couple more Mikey DiPietro rookie cards for me. A couple more Ole Levy rookie cards for me. So I'll bring my co-host to comment on this. Quads, am I wasting my money buying all these rookie cards while they're so cheap? Yes, you could be spending your money at ZephyrEpic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. Check them out on all platforms. Use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S. I don't know why you're not doing that, Chris. Because you're going out, you're buying these Nikita Triamkin cards off eBay, which are only going to plummet in value. I'm telling you, these are bad investments, especially that Yolevi card. We're we're gonna jump right into it and talk about the game. I on the last episode, I talked about how. Hold on, one more thing for Zephyr Epic. By the way, Zephyr Epic uh, Series Two has been so hard to come by. Yes. Everybody online, they're selling them like crazy on eBay for the boxes. Zephyr Epic has them back. I saw someone tweeted us today uh, that they use the promo code Hockey Season to get five dollars off. Series Two retail boxes are back at Zephyr Epic. Limit of two per customer, uh, and you get the free shipping on that as well because it's ninety nine dollars. Use our promo code, like you said, uh, Hockey Season. That'll get you in there. But get over there quick. ZephyrEpic.com. Uh, and get it uh, free shipping to all of Canada. But yeah, let's let's get into Yo Levy right off the bat because I know that uh, you've been in the in your DMs battling people about Yo Levy for the last couple days. Yeah, yeah, I have. But it, it's the thing is, is it's not like I want to come out here and just rag on Yo Levy. I just, you know, I said before the show the, or during the last show that I hadn't really seen much from Yo Levy, and I didn't think he was gonna be sticking around in the lineup for very long given how he played and sure enough Jalen Chatfield slots in I think Jack Rathbone's gonna get a look in that spot I thought Jalen Chatfield actually played decently well Chris I think he's gonna be in the lineup for Saturday night's game against the Leafs but I think the minute that Chatfield falters it's gonna be Rathbone that gets a look I I don't think we're gonna see much of Yul Levy um going forward here I honestly like I just Travis wants to win and the performances Yolevi was turning in with heavily prescribed minutes like that's the thing is he wasn't playing he wasn't playing the regular minutes with Myers Myers five on five ice time I think he had six more minutes of five on five ice time than Yolevi and obviously he goes out he, he plays in more situations and he plays you know he plays later in the games but Yolevi just wasn't wasn't doing enough and Travis took him out and I I, I can't really disagree with them there. I just I, I wanted wanted to see more from Yulevi and I didn't. And I think it just you you kind of see the effects of that when he's coming out of the lineup. Yeah, I've been saying it for a couple of years. I'm pretty sure the best spot that Ole Levy is going to be at the NHL level is a penalty killer, and the Canucks aren't even using him there, which I I don't really know why. I mean, this is something that you've you've edited a lot of my articles about this how. The best thing that Ole Levy does is stationary defense. Like, when he gets set mm-hmm. up in the defensive zone, that's when he's at his best. He's not great at defending the rush. I think he's been doing an okay job of moving pucks up ice. You know, like, being the secondary yep. option for Tyler Myers. He's been doing an okay job of that. I like how much he fires shots on net. Like, I do like that that he's been able to, to get a lot of open ice in the offensive zone and take shots. But... It just feels like everything in between that, it, it seems to be a little bit of a problem with him. And this is the first year of him being an NHLer, right? Like, you know, he's he's not a veteran, even though he's, you know, a little bit older than some prospects that are coming to the lineup. He's He hasn't been around the NHL for a long time. Heck, he wasn't around the AHL for a long time being healthy. I just, I look at the season that he's had this year, and it's it's better than I expected. 
Like, I, I wasn't expecting a lot from Olia Levy in this rookie season. I've been very pleased to see that he's been able to stay healthy throughout the season, and it doesn't look like those injuries are hurting him as much as they were in the past. Mm-hmm. So just looking at what he's done this year, I, I do think that it's a step in the right direction, but you're right. Like, the minutes are very, very sheltered, right? Like, it's he's not going up against the Austin Matthews and the Connor McDavid's of this league and this division specifically, he's getting a lot of bottom six competition against him and he's not really shining against them. And I think that, man, you bring in Jack Rathbone, if he gets the same matchups that Olio Levy's getting, I really think he's going to bring a lot more offensively for sure. Defensively, I don't know. Like, I I just don't know how Jack Rathbone is going to defend against NHL players, even if they are bottom six guys for the most part. Like, that's going to be the big question. And... I just it, we've seen it so much with these young guys coming into the lineup that all the question not all the questions that we have but like a lot of the questions that we have specifically the main ones I think like the main questions that we have for a guy like Jack Rathman coming in is is he going to be able to defend and the big question with Nils Huglander coming in is like is he going to be able to fit in physically at the NHL level is he going to be able to keep up to the speed is he going to be able to to play on that Horvat line and get all those tough matchups and he's proved that he could do it every single question that we asked about Nils Huglander he's proved he can do. I, I just think that Rathbone's going to do something similar. With how good of a prospect he is, I think he's going to yeah. come in and defend fine. He's done an okay job at the AHL. Like he, He's got a really active stick in the AHL, and I think that's going to help him a lot when he gets up here. And, and I agree with you. I think that as soon as there's one little slip-up from Chatfield, or even if he just gives you exactly what he gave you in the last game, like I didn't think it was great. I didn't think that yeah, Chatfield totally. was great. I think that if he's not even good on Saturday, you got to go right back with, with Rathbone because you have back-to-backs, right? Monday, Tuesday, back-to-backs after the Saturday game. you got to get Rathbone in for one of those two games. Absolutely, and that's the thing is people people come at me when I say that Yolevi just hasn't been super impressive, and I get it. You want the fifth overall pick to succeed. You want him to have a long career in Vancouver, but you have to be honest with yourself too. Like You have to look at these performances and kind of equate it and say, okay, there's a guy in Jack Rathbone waiting on the sidelines. If you put Jack Rathbone in the exact same scenario as Yolevi, and you, I know you were just touching on this, but I really want to hammer this point home. If you put Rathbone in the exact same minutes, the exact same prescribed minutes, Rathbone would give you exactly what Yolevi's giving you, but more. Rathbone's a much better skater. You know this. You watched a lot of him at the AHL level, Chris. He's really good at skating, and he does that little fake move that people are going to see at the NHL level, because I saw it in college when he when I watched him play uh, sometimes there, and then also in the AHL. It's like, he like opens up, and it's all it all goes back to his edge work, and when he was on the show a few months back, that's what he talked about, is just his skating. Is he, he feels confident that he can succeed at the NHL because of his skating. Like His skating is what's going to carry him, and for a guy like Yolevi who struggles to defend against the rush, like that's what Rathbone thrives at, right? Yeah. Like Obviously, uh, the offensive zone is where he thrives the most in moving the puck, but when it comes to defending, defending the rush is exactly what Rathbone is is capable of like that's that's what the Canucks need from him they need to see him defend against the rush and that's what he's gonna be able to do now the end zone defense which we just talked about with Yolevi that's what Yolevi is really good at and that's something Rathbone admitted when he was on the show that that's what he wants to improve on he just said like in zone defending reads all that sort of stuff like that's what he's trying to improve on but like you said the active stick is definitely going to help him I personally I think just with with where their ceilings are and in a season where we're going to get to the schedule soon, where the games don't matter much at this point, and don't you dare say that to Travis Green because he'll be the first to tell you that they're still trying to win. Man, when Cole Lynn went in, 
holy cow, the it was very funny how how adamant Travis was that this was not just to get Cole in the game. This was this was because they still they're still trying to win and Cole in give them the best chance to win. He was right about that, by the way. Yeah, he but was. just to kind of wrap up on that thought, there, like you have Rathbone waiting on the wing now. I just. Honestly, I I think not only does he have a higher ceiling than Yolevi, I think he can give you more right now than all Yolevi can. Yeah, 100% offensively and and on the rush as well. The thing that I've liked at the AHL level is how when guys are coming in two on two on him, he's he just attacks. Like he doesn't let you gain the blue line freely. Like he doesn't just back check the whole time. He he steps up and he's not going to use his body because that's that's just going to be the weak part of his game, right? Like that that is definitely a thing that's going to show at the NHL level is that he's probably not physically strong enough to body up a lot of guys in the NHL. It's just that's what it's going to look like. He's you know he's not small, but he's definitely not big either. And the, that kind of showed at the AHL level uh, of him getting knocked around quite a bit and getting you know dropped to the ice a few times here and there. And and that's going to show even more at the NHL level. But I like that he. He's got a smart way of defending, right? Especially on the rush, just like stepping up into the guy and forcing him to make a quick decision. It worked really good at the AHL level because, simply put, AHL players can't make decisions as quick as NHL players can. They don't make the right decisions like an NHL player does. So I wonder if that's going to hurt him. Like, is him stepping up going to be something where a guy just walks around him and then sets up a two-on-one situation? Like, those could happen a few times. Those could definitely happen. But I think making those mistakes is going to help him next season. And I I just want to, to close out the Rathbone talk, I'm wondering, I think a lot of people wonder if Jack Rathbone and Quinn Hughes can fit into the same lineup. And we've talked about this in the past. I know we have. Mm -hmm. But do you think that's what it's going to take for him to actually get into a game? Would it be a rest day for Quinn Hughes? Because you look at the schedule... You, you, know, you know, the next, pretty much the next 19 days, uh, what do you have here? 1, 2, 3, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games in the next 19 days. That's insane. That's a lot of hockey coming up here with three back-to-backs over those 19 days. I don't know what's going to happen with the Calgary games at the end of the year. The, they're still TBD about the time. I wonder if that's TBD, if they're going to play them. But do you think that it's going to take a rest day for Quinn Hughes to get in because I just I don't know if Travis Green's going to put him in over a Chatfield or Yolevi to play on that third pairing. I, unless the season's really thrown away, and and that could happen very soon. Like it, they could be out of playoff contention very soon here. But I I don't know if Travis is still going to do it. I think he's going to lean on Yolevi and Chatfield to be that kind of sixth defenseman as the season goes on here. Personally, I disagree. I think when Rathbone makes his debut, and I think he will before the end of the season. Um, Quinn Hughes is going to be in the lineup. That's what I think. That's just my personal opinion. And I think, you know, long term, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a conversation we have in the off season and after we've seen a sample size of what they look like on the same team. But look, if Yolevi's playing these prescribed minutes, and like you said, they're not using him on the penalty kill, so it's not like that spot is somebody that needs to kill penalties, which Chaffield has for them, as has Yolevi. But if they're not going to use Yolevi on the penalty kill. What are you losing by putting in Jack Rathbone? Like, honestly, I, I look at this situation similar to the Cole Lind one where, you know, Travis was very adamant that this is because we think he can give us a chance to win. Honestly, I I have a hard time believing that Jack Rathbone doesn't give the Canucks a better chance to win than Ollie Olevi or Jalen Chatfield does. I, honestly, I, I really don't. And I I I don't I'm not a mind reader. I haven't talked to Travis about this. I don't know if he feels the same way. But I, I get the vibe that that the Canucks are kind of running out of patience with Yolevi to an extent. Like, he, he's played these prescribed minutes, 
and they can't give him more minutes because he hasn't excelled in the prescribed minutes necessarily. So where do you go from here? He can't just play the most sheltered minutes in the league for the rest of his career, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I like I, I'm not I'm not reporting anything, but it just feels like the Canucks might be you know nearing their nearing the end of their patience level with Ali Levy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a long I think it's a long road for Yolevi to get to where where everyone expects him to hit his peak. This isn't his peak. Like he's still developing yeah. into that body. Those injuries really hurt him. You know, over the past yeah. over the past three years really, like those injuries have just sidelined his development and um I I think it's still a long it's still a long game with Ole Levy, and I think that we are gonna see him develop and play over the next couple of years. I think he's gonna be a guy who will be a a regular everyday starter for the Canucks next year. But then again, it's like, man, if Jack Rathbone's battling with him in that spot, you know, that's why we need to see Jack Rathbone this year, right? Because otherwise, your levy's going to have the, a big upper hand on Jack Rathbone at camp next year simply because of the relationship with the coach and then seeing what he did last season fitting into a lineup for, let's say, he gets to 30 games this year, right? Like, that's that's going to be a huge difference at training camp next year. But uh, we'll, we'll leave the defense talk there, but you've brought his name up a few times, and let's dive into it with Cole Lynn's debut. Comes in, plays 17 minutes and 12 seconds in his debut. A nice, hearty start for him. Fires three shots on net, gets three individual scoring chances. Second on the team in individual expected goals, only behind... JT Miller at five on five. What'd you think from Colin's debut? I thought he was great. I like, okay. When I, when I put out the tweet, remember in the game where the Canucks just got slapped by the senators, I put a tweet. I said, Oh, it'd be a baffling decision for the Canucks not to play Cole Lind after this. And you know, of course I had my reply guys, three blocks, three new blocked accounts after well, that good, tweet. Good Chris. for you. Quads. Good um, for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like people were like, Oh no, like, this he's not gonna people are overvaluing him and people were like oh classic Canucks fans and media overhyping prospects it's not even about that it's just literally the bottom six was so bad it was just it it was the sea of Grandlands like we've we've said that how many times over the past two weeks Chris the sea of Grandlands come on man like it wasn't about Cole Lynn's gonna come in and be a difference maker it was just about Cole Lynn's gonna come in and be better than half the current bottom six personnel. And he was. He was great. And Travis was really impressed with his game, as he should have been. He said it in the post game that he really liked what Colin brought to the team. And he's going to get another shot. Like, Colin's not coming out of the lineup. And I'm going to give you a hot take, Chris. We look at the bottom six. And over the past few weeks, there's been auditions in the Canucks' bottom six. You look at a guy like Matthew Highmore, he looks like he could stick around, maybe... Tyler Mott, obviously, is part of the long-term future of the bottom six. But Cole Lind, that's a guy that I look at right now. And if he can keep this up with the performance, yeah, I know it's one game and it's his debut. So, you know, he was firing on all cylinders. He was super excited to be out there, had a lot of energy. But that's a guy that I look at as another long-term staple for the Canucks bottom six. And right now, there's not a lot of long-term fixes in the Canucks bottom six. If you're, if you're understanding what I'm saying, like basically I'm saying a lot of the guys they have are at or below replacement level, right? Yeah. But a guy that could go above and beyond that obviously is Tyler Mott and then it's Cole Lind. And really after that, I don't know if there's much else in the bottom six worth, you know, worth tying your, tying your wagon to. I use that incorrectly, I think, but I'll go with it. 
Yeah, close enough. I, I just, I think that you, you saw what Colin was able to do. You saw him get time with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson later in the game, which was great to see. I wouldn't be shocked to see him start with those two. Like, yep. honestly, to see him on their Saturday start in the top six. But just to see from the debut, it's a way too early spot to kind of talk about this. But he was playing the wing, right? Like, he was playing the center position back in Utica. But, man, if he was able to to kind of bring what he brought playing as a winger, but also do it as a center. Like, if he was able to mix that in and go back to being a center, I just, I don't think that's going to be the future of Cole Lind. I think he is going to be, you know, he's going to be a winger. I think he's going to be a right winger for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. But, man, if he was able to to have that attention to detail that he had in the defensive zone where he was always, like, you saw him in the defensive zone closing in on guys when they didn't have the puck and just getting his stick on their yep. stick. Right, like making it hard for them to even receive a pass, and that's that's something that he does a lot in the AHL and pisses off a lot of AHL players because, like, you don't have the puck, you're about to receive a pass, and the guy's already got his stick on your stick, trying to make it hard. Like, that's not illegal. That's not interference to have your stick on their stick. You know, if you're slashing it, obviously it is. But you know, he he was good at just kind of having his stick interrupt the passing plays that the other team was putting together, and it just made me think, like. What if this is the 3C? Like, what if he could actually play center moving forward? And that's that's a huge thing to ask from a guy who only got, you know, uh, not even a dozen games in the AHL at the center position. And literally told me, like, a couple weeks ago that he was not told anything going into training camp that he was going to be a center. Like, he went into training camp as a winger, showed up in Utica, and Trent Cole was like, hey, we're going to try this thing and put you at center. And he rolled with it, right? Like, he absolutely rolled with it. He played center, did a good job. But that's such a small sample size of him playing center. But just seeing the way that he defended, that was the kind of thing that made me say, like, wow, like, the defense that you saw from a winger that he was giving felt like it it could be a guy who could have more of a defensive view on things and and pay more attention to being a good defensive player and maybe be that 3C moving forward. Like, it's, it's definitely... Some very over positive thinking to think that he's the three C of the future, but it's got to like looking at what what the hell they have rest on this team. Like you know, Carson Folk isn't doing it anytime soon. Dmitry Zlodiev isn't doing it anytime soon. Who else do they have at center moving forward? Like it's not going to be Jay Beagle stepping up in that spot. Brandon Sutter, I talked about him getting re-signed a couple weeks ago. I still think that's like their best option. Like, going into next season, that feels like their best option. I don't think they're going to go out and find another guy. Travis Boyd is, has been fine to me, but he's you know he's just going to give you kind of what Jay Beagle gives you, I think. I don't think there's anything great about Travis Boyd and his start with the Canucks. He's got seven games in. He's got no goals. He's got three shots on net. Like, you know, he, he's getting to play, and he's not really doing much of anything, which feels like a fourth-line center. You want your third-line center to have something about him. And Colin has something about the way that he plays. Like, the way that he defended was excellent, I thought. And, you know, he turned a couple things into the offensive zone. That's a tough team to match up against in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I don't know. I feel like I feel like the best option for next season still is Brandon Sutter because I just don't trust Jim Benning to go out and get a 3C at a good price on a good contract. I think that a one-year deal for Sutter is still the best option. But, you know, could Colin push that next year? Like, could he get some time to play center again? And, and push for that to be his role moving forward, that would excite a lot of people, I think. Counterpoint, Brandon Sutter's injury-prone. You let him walk, and you you move JT Miller to third-line center. What do you I think of this? This isn't, this isn't what I'm proposing, Chris, because I'm, st- I'm still undecided whether or not I think it's a good idea to split up the lotto line moving forward and put Miller at third-line center. I lean toward no, but when you look at this team's situation, 
I start to question it. And I start to think, is this a good idea for this hockey club? And with that in mind, I was going to also mention, even if you bring back, bring back Brandon Sutter, Cole Lind as a fourth line center and a traditional fourth line center in the sense of the Canucks fourth line is out picking up easy matchups, kind of like what the Gaudette line was doing toward the end of uh, Adam Gaudette's Canucks tenure. I look yeah. at it and see that from Cole Lind and wonder if, if that could be something moving forward. But again, look, this guy's getting an audition in the top six, right? And he was a scorer in junior. I know, I know it, it, it's not quite there yet, but you know, let, let him play these games. And then maybe next year, there's an actual possibility of him playing third line center or sorry, third line wing. And he's on JT Miller's wing. Like that's, that's not a bad option, right? I just, I look at it and, and every, every kind of like lineup that I'm putting together just seems to have Cole Lind somewhere as a long-term fix. No, that's a good point. And I, I just don't like the JT Miller third line center take. Like I know it's out there. I know everybody argues about it. I just, the thing that I don't like about it is, so here's, here's the thing that I do like about it. What coaches are doing right now in the NHL, and it's been talked about for years now, is pairs, right? Like, you, your your lines yeah. are just pairs. It's a pair of guys that play really good together, and then a guy who compliments them. The pair that you're, that we saw in the broadcast the other day when they brought it up was Vasily Podkolzin, right? It was going to be Podkolzin and JT Miller on the third line, uh, Horvat and Huglander on the second line, and then first line was Petey and Besser, which is, you know, good pairs, right? Solid pairs down the middle. But the Canucks don't have a guy who can play first line, with Brock Besser and Elias Patterson at a level that's even close to JT Miller. The only one that would make sense to me would be if Pod Colson was that guy. And that's asking a lot of a silly Pod Colson, but Pod Colson's game would really fit nicely with PD and Besser. If that's going to be your first line, like you're getting a lot of the JT Miller qualities from a silly Pod Colson if his translation transition to the NHL is is what a lot of people expect and what I expect to see to be pretty seamless. Like, if, if Pod Colson comes over and plays his game and even gets a little bit better at the NHL level, like, he could be a very close to JT Miller, you know, player on that first line. And then it kind of does open up the chance for him to be a 3C, but that's a lot of pressure. And then your second line is going to be, it's going to be Pearson, Horvat, and Hoglander again. And then your third line, it's like, who is the pairing now if you take Pod Colson away? Like, if you take Pod Colson away to put him on the first line, who's the guy that plays with JT Miller? Does it become Cole Lind? Because like I'm it's looking at the roster, it's it's Cole Lind or it's Tyler Mott. Like that's yeah, that's what yeah. you're hoping the third line is, and you're hoping that Cole Lind's able to play that all season long. Again, asking a lot out of a guy like Cole Lind, I think you're asking a lot out of a guy like Tyler Mott to be not only a fourth line guy who can score now, but now a third line guy who's playing with a couple of scoring players to score. And I don't have a lot of doubts that Mott can do that. Like I think that Tyler Mott's a, a great hockey player. I think he's a great bottom six player, not just a fourth line guy. So, like, there are some chances of this actually happening, but you're banking a lot on a Pod Colson making a seamless trans- transition and also Cole Lane being able to step right in next year. Because, to me, there's no other guys that's going to make that top nine round out. Well, here's the thing is is you've got to go to free agency or you've got to make a trade Yeah, but, like, with right? what like, money? With what money are no, they going to go to free I know. agency with? They have I know. nothing I know. to do with. I know. I didn't sign the contracts, man. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm like, just it, saying. <laughs> to, to even hear the word free agency, just it triggers me because it's like they they can't. Like, they can't go to, okay. like, what money are they going to free agency with? Like, I can't see it if you're signing PD and Hughes, right? Like, it's it's almost impossible to me to think that they're going to add 
a guy that's not, you know, add a couple guys at like $900,000 and that's it. Like, that's all they can do. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, that's that's the only way to make that work, is you have to go to free agency or you have to go to the trade market. Now, I know they don't have a ton of cap space, but what I'm saying is, if if you want to make JT Miller work at third line center, like, I agree with you here, you need to go pick up a winger. Or, even if even if you don't, even if you keep JT Miller on the wing, you still have to go to free agency or make a trade for a proper third line center. And maybe going to free agency means bringing Brandon Sutter, who is going to be a UFA. Maybe that's what that means. But man, like they're they're gonna have to fill the lineup somehow, right? And I just I I get your your Brandon Sutter take, but man, like try not to forget this guy's injury history, right? Like he's not getting yeah. any younger either. And I I see the number being floated around, and like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, just bring him back in a one or two year deal around two million dollars. That's perfect. Third line center, he'll be great. I just, I I would be a little hesitant to see if you could go get somebody a little bit better better for in maybe the three to four million range. And, you know, like you look at Adam Lowry, right? That was a name that we talked about quite a bit. If you were able to sign Adam Lowry, that's a much better third line. That's like a good third line center that you're bringing in for that dollar amount. Mm-hmm. I'd be... I'd be a little more hesitant to rush to go extend or re-sign Brandon Sutter, personally. But the point remains, if the Canucks are going to improve this offseason, they're going to have to go to free agency or make a trade in some way because right now the personnel they have under contract aren't going to get the job done. And I I wouldn't hate them going, like, I don't know. Like, do they can they add players in a similar way that Toronto did, like Spezza's and Thornton's? Like, would it be... Like, it feels like it would be trying to speed up the rebuild that the Canucks are obviously going to have to go through over the next two years with the contracts coming off of the books. It's just, it's literally like a physical rebuilding of the roster due to the salary cap, right? Like, it is, that's exactly what it's going to be. But, like, would a player like Bobby Ryan fit in on that line better than Cole Lynn, maybe? Like, does Bobby Ryan and, and JT Miller, eventually Tyler Mott, sound better than Cole Lind or, or make kind of a safety blanket for Cole Lind if he has to? Or, you know, Bobby Ryan's going to be 35 next year. He's obviously taking a step back. But if, if he's coming in at $700,000, you look at what he's doing this year. He's got 14 points, 7 goals in 33 games. That's that's fine, right? Like, the guy can still put up a few points here and there. I don't know how much of a step he takes back next year. But, like, just just thinking who they can maybe go for, it's going to probably be a guy in his 30s, and you're hoping to get him around a million dollars to maybe help round out that top nine. And you have options, right? Like, you have options with Cole Lind. You have options with, you know, is Jonah Gadjevich going to hit moving into next year? Are there going to be some other guys that pop up and, and come show well at training camp? Like, I just find it hard to to think that moving Miller is going to be the best option. I think that they're, like, I feel like they're going to go back to Sutter. I just, I have that feeling that they're going to go back to Sutter on a one-year deal. He's probably going to come in at, like, $2 million, right? Like, what's he got this year? Like, 13 goals or something, too? Or, like, he could finish with, like, 13 goals. I think he's at, like, nine-ish, right? So he's, like, kind of on pace. It's, yeah, Brandon, Brandon Sutter's, Sutter? been, like, he's been scoring goals this year, right? He's got nine goals this year. So, like, he could hit, you know, he could hit 12 goals. He could hit 13 goals, and... Then the Canucks general manager, Jim Benning, is probably looking at him like, we kind of need those 13 goals. You know, here's $2 million on a two-year deal. That's what I keep thinking is going to happen with Brandon Sutter. But the years before totally. that, Totally. I agree with like, you. I don't agree with Jim, but I think that that's what he might end up doing here. Okay. And again, we don't know, we don't know Jim's thought process, but 
it, it wouldn't be hard to believe that what you just outlined yeah, is I mean, thought process yeah, we've there. We've seen but, enough of, of but, him in the past yeah. to kind of predict the future with Jim Benning, it feels like. And I don't I don't think he's gonna his internal nature is gonna change overnight. That thing that everybody is always I'm always, saying, always this. saying this. Um you made me lose my train of thought. Oh yeah, you know what I was gonna say? I like your Bobby Ryan. I don't idea. hate the Bobby Ryan. I, I was thinking about that a little more. Don't hate it. I don't hate the Bobby Ryan idea, but I offer you this. Check what Thomas Vanek's up to. Do you remember that season? Like, I think I've talked about this on the show I think we talked about before, Thomas Vanek like Botch, two weeks ago. I think we did, but when Botch gave Thomas Vanek the nickname Tommy Gunn, I, that was the peak of my Canucks fandom. And I know the Canucks were absolutely horrible, but I was staying up late to read the Pravis every night just to watch Botch talk about Thomas Vanek taking a slap shot and a shootout <laughs> from three feet away from the goalie and just sniping it every time. Like, it was it was too good. Like, it, it was too good not to read. And I just, I don't know. I, I look at that and think, obviously, Thomas Vanek's not coming back. That's not that's not what I'm trying to say. Thomas Vanek is, I think he's retired, actually. Um, but, like, a similar type of player. And remember, Thomas Vanek's deal with the Canucks was pretty good. For what he gave them, like, he was on a yeah. good deal. I'm pretty sure it was 900000 or something ridiculously low like that. Like, that was a good deal. And the Canucks need to go find themselves another Thomas Vanek. And that uh, the reason I bring up Vanek is because you brought up Bobby Ryan. And Bobby Ryan kind of seems like a player, you know, a little bit of scoring touch, more of a veteran presence, you know, can help you, right? And it's similar to that Toronto model of filling up on the Jason Spetzes and the Joe Thorntons. Now, obviously, those guys, a lot of people know, took the discount and chose to play in Toronto, right? Like, I'm sure there were teams offering both of those guys more than what they ended up signing with in Toronto. But, you know, they bought in in Toronto, right? Like, they they both want to win a cup. And Toronto was probably their best chance of doing that. So, you know, I I, I don't hate that idea. I, I like that idea of going for guys who are, you know, in the twilight of their careers, but can round out your bottom six, give you... Give, be defensively responsible, play in most situations, but also give you a little bit of a scoring touch in the bottom six because that's what this team has been missing for so many years. Most of the Jim Benning era, they've been missing that scoring touch in yep. the bottom six. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you two more names if they're able to pull out some cap. I mean, Mike Hoffman could be an option. You know, if you're able to... I mean, I think he's going to come in at, at more, you know, around what he made last year at $4 million. Uh, I think he's going to be around that, but... You know, maybe an option potentially, but the the one that I want to kind of bring up a little bit more is, you know, we we didn't see him in the game on Thursday, but Nick Foligno, I wonder what he comes in at next year. He's 33 years old. He's got 19 points on the season coming off of making five and a half. I wonder how much of a pay cut he's, he's going to have to take a pay cut, obviously from 5.5, especially coming into his 34 year old mm-hmm. season. Like, could he be around two to play in Vancouver? Like, it could be an option. Felino would be a nice addition to this team, I think, moving forward. If it's not long-term and you're getting him for that 34-, 35-year-old season, like, I don't I don't hate that at all. A lot, I've heard a lot of good things about Nick Felino in the room. On that note, Jarmo Kekalainen was on the DFO podcast, DFO Rundown podcast, and he was talking about Nick Felino, and he was talking about the moves they had to make at the deadline, and it really sounds like, I don't know if you've looked at the standings elsewhere in the league, Chris, but Columbus is, like, dead last. Columbus is having a... Just god-awful year. Max Domi is a healthy scratch. They traded Josh Anderson for him. It is not good, okay? Patrick Laine is disgruntled. There, there's a lot going on in Columbus. But Yarmo, their GM, Yarmo Kicklinen, um, 
was basically saying like you know this is this is a down year for us but we're gonna compete next year like they're not they're not thinking rebuild at all there so despite them making that trade uh to to get rid of felino i wonder if there's a plan in place to bring back their captain for for nick felino to re-sign in columbus i i wonder if there is a plan already in place but that's all i want to add on felino is i i'm curious to see where he signs and i really wouldn't be surprised if it's columbus this offseason okay sounds good yeah i mean i wonder i wonder what happens when he hits after you get traded if you know guys coming back it happens it just doesn't happen as often as people like to talk about it in my opinion so um, yeah, you know, fair. we'll see. We'll see what happens. There's going to be guys out there that are going to be able to come to the Canucks for under $2 million and potentially round out that top nine. But that's just the problem to me is like, you're asking, you know what you're going to get from the lotto line, right? Like, you know what you're going to get from the lotto line. They're going to put up goals. They're, they're going to be good at, you know, their best defense is their offense, keeping the puck out of their zone because they're spending so much time in the offensive zone. And Pod Colson has so many options, right? Like Pod Colson really has a lot of options. And it's, it's crazy to think like, how a lot of people are like, oh, Pod Colson's not going to come in and be the star. Like, he's not going to be a star like Patterson. But, man, is he going to come in next year and be asked to do a lot? Like, no matter where he's going to be, he's going to be a guy who's moving around. He, I don't think he's going to be one of those pairs that we talked about earlier. I think he's going to be the guy that complements a line. And I think he's going to bounce around a lot next year until they really find a spot that just clicks with him. Unless he immediately clicks with PD and Besser. Because that would be an exciting first line to see. So, um, anything else you want to do before we close out here with the top nine? No, no, throw to break. Okay, sounds good. We'll throw to break here. Uh, on the other side, we'll discuss our golf game. Uh, we'll talk about Mikey DiPietro <laughs> making his return to the to playing hockey, just to playing in a hockey game. Uh, and he had some interesting things to say. We'll read off some of the quotes from him. Uh, that'll kind of just be our prospect report. So we'll throw to some ads now, and we'll see you guys on the other side to break it all down. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors, of course. You know what? Know what we need for a new sponsor, Quads? And I think we're working on it a little bit. But a golf course. If you own a golf course and are listening <laughs> to the show and you want to sponsor the show... 
come hit us up. I think that's our next uh, venture. We're going to reach out to some golf courses and uh, and get them on board because uh, our time with Mike's has ended. We we loved working with Mike's. Obviously, the Blue Freeze, I'll still say to this day, they were excellent. Uh, but they're not going to renew up with us uh, moving forward, unfortunately. Um, I still say, you know, appreciate them supporting us for the time they did. And the Blue Freeze is still hard to beat. But golf quads, you and I got to get out for a little social distance uh, pitch and putt game. Uh, just the other day there, and uh, it was a lot closer than the first time that we played. It was. It was a lot closer. And I, before before we get into the golf game, Chris, I just wanted to just add again, because we said this last week too, if you have a business and you want to promote it, because we said this last week, and somebody reached out, a listener of ours reached out, and I think we're going to partner with them, which is fun. But if you have a business or anything you want to advertise, just shoot us a message, Twitter, whatever. Hopefully I don't have you blocked. I don't think I have any listeners blocked. If I have any Just listeners... Just try Yeah, sh- send it to me. Yeah, because I probably don't Faber have you blocked. if I have any listeners blocked. Just let me... Let Faber know, and then I'll go through our interactions, see if there was anything. Because a lot of times... <laughs> yeah, I'm blocking people I don't even interact with, which is, you know, probably not the best thing, but my Twitter experience has been great. Um, so, regardless, good. if you have a business, you want to advertise it, reach out to us. We'll uh, see if we can work something out. But yes, the golf game, Chris, it was... It was a lot closer. One shot, one stroke, and I nearly hit a hole in one on that last hole. I birdied it, but I nearly hit a hole in one, and that would have made things really interesting because going into the back nine, I'm, I'm going to recount our, our golf game. Going into the back nine, you were up by four strokes on me. I started to climb back. I crawled back. Two-stroke lead for you on hole 16. Went to 17, and then... Yeah, 17, and then we both hit a four. Par three. We're playing a pitch and putt here. And then hole 18, <laughs> it was two strokes. So I knew I had to cup it. I was thinking to myself, I've got to cup this. I said it out loud, I'm sure. And you yep. you recorded it. Maybe we could post the video on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Five and $10 tiers. Get you all the bonus content, including our golf game and home run derby, which is coming up this summer. We talked about that a little bit uh, when we were well, on the course. Well, it's, it's just uh, it's you pitching to me, but you can call it a home run derby if you want. Cause that, that's what it might turn into. That's true, actually. I, I shouldn't have called it a home run derby. Well, I can't hit homers. <laughs> we'll move the fence closer for me. Um, but what was I saying? Yes. So last hole, I nearly cupped it. I, I was close. You can attest to this. Yeah. I was close. I was close to cupping it. I was kind of hoping that you would because, like, right after on the final hole on, on 18, I I was within inches of chipping in for birdie, too. So, like, if you would have holed out, you would have been going nuts. And then you would have been thinking that you would have won, too. Cause of, <laughs> but then I, if I would have chipped in, it would have just ruined the moment. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was great. It was nice to get on the pitch putt course again and uh, – and we haven't seen each other in person in a long time either. You know, no. it was nice to. That's the thing about golf; you can actually, you know, get out there and be socially distanced the whole time. And, and we're waiting on our vaccines. I got my, uh, I, I registered. I'm just waiting for the date now. Uh, super excited for that. I'm not not quite 30 years old yet, so I'm not being called on. I guess, but I'm in. I'm in the queue. I'm in the queue. I think you are as well, right? We're both signed yep. up and ready to go here. Yep, both signed up, which is yep. good. Good. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice to, you know, hear about everyone. That's I, I saw a good tweet. I forget who it was. But, like, seeing everyone, seeing all your family and friends get the vaccine has been a great feeling, you know, over the past couple couple of weeks here, especially for us Canadians as we've been lagging behind the Americans a little bit. But, uh, man, just another step closer to back to, to regular world, uh, which is great. And, uh, you know, speaking of something that we do regularly, why don't we get into the prospects report a little bit here, Quads? And uh, this one is basically going to be spent on Mikey DiPietro. You watched the comments game tonight, Quads. You saw that performance that Mikey DiPietro put in, stopping 20 of 21 shots 
including two breakaways, clear-cut breakaways, and a clear wide-open penalty shot as well. What did you think of DiPietro's first uh, first game back after 415 days away from playing hockey? Man, Mikey looks good, Chris. I, he looks really good. Yeah, he does. And, okay, here's the thing is, like, you know, I tweeted out that he looked great. And, I, you know, I pointed out, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, you watched the game. And you watched more of him last season than I did. Like, I had to go back and watch games from last season. But the big thing that we saw, you know, I pointed this out to you at training camp, I've talked about it on the podcast, was the quiet feet with DiPietro, right? Like, his positional awareness is really good. Better than can any I Can I tell you what he said? Because he, he said what he, like, the way that he talks about it. This is a quote from him, and, and this is what he called it, the light shuffle yep, of his feet. Yep, the thing exactly. that, this is a full quote. A big thing was my balance and footwork, light shuffle and quick, aggressive looks. Yes. Having the traffic form around me instead of forming around the traffic. This just sounds like a guy who's been hanging out with Ian Clark a yep. lot. Like yep. this, we didn't get quotes like this about little things, of little details of his game last season. But man, his first media appearance, and he's talking about the light shuffling of the feet like you mentioned. Yeah, and, and that, that's that's the thing that I'm always pointing out to people is when you watch Ian Clark taught goaltenders, it's that light shuffle, right? They're looking above traffic, and that's what he's talking about when he says, you know, working with the traffic rather than working through the traffic or whatever it was that he said exactly, but that's what he's talking about. Like, he's looking over the traffic. Even though he's a short goaltender, he's looking over the well, traffic, was, and he's shuffling his let feet. Let me say the quote because the quote was, I found very interesting because I've never heard anyone say this, but... He wanted the traffic to form around him yeah. instead of him forming around the traffic, which I found that was such, it just feels like a great goalie. Like that's something I would have thought about before. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with Ian, right? And, and you know, Curtis too, because, because Curtis and Ian, and I've talked about this so many times, I wrote a whole story about it. Curtis and Ian have really good communication. They say the same things. They make sure that they're on the same page. Now, I think every time I say that people go, oh, well, Curtis can just step in when Ian inevitably leaves the organization. And while that's true to an extent, I do want to remind people that Curtis is being taught a lot of things by Ian every day, and he's looking to Ian for guidance, right? So so it is a big ask to ask somebody to step up and be the head of a goaltending department, which is what they would be asking Curtis to do uh, if this scenario that I just outlined comes true. Uh, and that's not a knock on Curtis. Like, I, I've talked to Curtis. He, he is a smart goaltending mind. He he really knows the position well, and he, he really knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, far far better than I do. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm a good uh, evaluator of goaltending coaches. <laughs> But um, Curtis, Curtis is a smart dude. I'm not trying to knock him at all. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It, they are big shoes or skates to fill uh, if he steps in for Ian. So I, I do want to do want to add that. But yeah, that that quote from DiPietro, and I haven't read all the quotes for that he said tonight, Chris. But the thing about working with Ian and Curtis is that they make sure they don't just tell their goaltenders to do stuff, and then their goaltenders go out and do it. They tell them to do it, but then they say, this is why we're doing it. And they make it crystal clear because some goaltenders aren't receptive to changes in their game. But if you're explaining to them why the way you're preaching is better, a lot of the times you're going to get goaltenders more receptive to your new ideas and really eager to add those into their games. And there's nobody who's more of an eager learner than Mikey DiPietro, like, Again, this is from a conversation with Curtis that I had. Is he said like he came out of junior, he had good coaching in Windsor, and he came out of junior and he just said to Ian and Curtis, he's like, "Here I am. 
work with me, make me the best goaltender I can be. And he doesn't, he, he rarely questions stuff. He asks all the right questions and he has a good relationship with both Ian and Curtis, but he really listens to them. Like he really wants to, you know, like he knows that they know best and he fully believes that. And yeah. that's, that's just a huge part of Mikey's game. Right. And when I was watching him tonight, that was what I, that was what I pointed out on Twitter uh, without even hearing him say it himself, that, that quiet feet, like, that's exactly what Di Pietro was working on at training camp that I talked about on the podcast, talked about with you when we were there, pointed it out to you what they were doing. And to see him use that in his game right away, like that's the thing, right? Is we we talked a lot about, yeah, working with Ian's great, but you also have to try it in a game. Now he's tried it in a game and he's going to continue trying that stuff in games. And man, he looked solid tonight. Yeah, he, he looked great. And I, I tweeted out during the game, I just said the way that he's moving his feet in the crease and the way that he's seeing screens has a very different look to it. And the fact that he gave that quote, basically saying those exact two things, was clear to me that, like, that was something that they really paid attention to, right? Like, that has to be something that Ian Clark... It's, it's something that you talked about when we saw them doing a lot of those drills with the quick feet, for sure. And then just kind of the way that he was looking at screens, it looked different, right? Like, he... Before, it felt like he was so low... Like, because he was a shorter guy, he got so low that he was almost trying to, like, look below hips to see it. But this time, mm-hmm. like, he was he was a lot further out in the crease and kind of not, like, looking around, but just being in a spot where he didn't have to look around. Yep. Like, he was making himself be in spots where he would just see the puck, even with the guy right in front of him. And and uh, you mentioned, like, the maturity of DiPietro and how he's... You know, a guy who's going to work his ass off no matter where he's at. We obviously remember the quote from from Corey Hergott's articles last year about Mikey DiBetro saying that, you know, a lot of people have said that he's the hardest worker that they've ever seen. And here, I just want to read this last quote, and we'll kind of wrap up with this about Mikey. Um, this was the final quote that he kind of said uh, about how tough it was just being, uh, you know, on the taxi squad for so long and not playing. He said, it was probably the toughest thing I've had to do mentally in my career. Obviously, this year isn't ideal for anyone. I was able to practice every day with Ian Clark. I got to watch great goalies like Demmer and Holtz. It was about growing and learning for me. And that's what Mikey said about that. And I I don't think a lot of goalies... I, I didn't get the quotes and I didn't tweet them out. I actually haven't even seen them yet. Like, I haven't seen them in, in worded, worded out yet. But I asked him... I asked him about it. Like, you know, a lot of people were worried about your development. Right? Like, a lot of people were worried that your development was going to take a step back. And... He, he laughed at that question. Like, he, I'm going to have that in the article tomorrow for Canucks Army. I guess today when people are listening to this, check it out. I don't have the exact quotes. So I'm not going to butcher it. But he, was, he laughed about saying that he's like, yeah, it's funny. A lot of people have been, been worried about it. But, like, he was saying, like, I've, he said, I've gotten a lot better. Like, he knew that he has yeah. improved over this time. And a lot of people, and both of us were in that boat, that we thought that this, this could hurt his development. We still think it probably does, right? Like we still think it probably does hurt his development not to get in there. It's nice that he came back and looked great, but it would have been nice to see him get back into action, you know, in February and look great for months and months on end to get that reps. And there's another quote that I'll have in the article tomorrow about how different it was, you know, cause he made a huge glove save early in the third period. And I asked him like, well, how different is it to make a big save like that in a game compared to practice. And I don't want to butcher the quote and I'll, I'll leave it for the article. So check out the article on Canucks army that has dropped uh, on Saturday morning here about Mikey's return to play. Did, was there anything else you wanted to close out with? Maybe just from, from watching him or anything else you saw in the comments, seven, one shellacking. Well, uh, that was a, a nice showing by them. I wanted to go back to the, the thing about development, right? Like, you know, both things can be true, 
it, it wasn't good for his development that he was sitting on the taxi squad for that long and went 415 days without playing a game. Like, that wasn't good for his development. But working with Ian Clark was also good for his development, right? Like, like both things can be true. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna get into oh, what would have been the best scenario because the, you know he he's right. The COVID COVID world does suck a lot, but you know he he has improved. That is just clear. You can go watch the last game he played in Utica, and you can go watch the game he played tonight, and he's only gonna get better. I'm. Man, like I, I've told people on this show for a long time that Mikey DiPietro is a good goalie, and uh, I think you're just going to continue to see it. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I guess we'll finish with one final quote. This might end up being the name of the episode as well, uh, just to get your thoughts on it, because this has been the one that's got the most reaction on social media that I tweeted out. So this is from Mikey DiPietro on Ian Clark. His quote is, in my opinion, he's the best goaltender coach in the world. Yeah, Your thoughts, you Quads. can also quote that being said by Jacob Markstrom. You can quote that by being said by Thatcher Demko. Uh, I've gotten those quotes from both of those guys. Uh, like those, those were from questions that I asked them. So I can I can confirm that they have both said those exact words. Like Markstrom didn't even say, "In my opinion," Markstrom just said he's the he's the best goalie coach in the world, uh, and yeah. to work with him every day is a privilege. That's the quote that Markstrom gave me way back in like May, I think it was. And sa- same thing with Demko, just. That he's like the best goalie coach. And actually, maybe I didn't get that from Demko. Anyway, regardless, um, that quote does not surprise me and it shouldn't surprise anybody else. So I'm just I, like, I'm not trying to still like add fuel to the fire, but Kevin Woodley was on sports in 650 today and talking about how Toronto might be a destination for Ian Clark this off season. So yeah, just, why wouldn't know, it be? Exactly, well, they'll, exactly. They'll probably give him what they'll pay him what he deserves, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. They'll pay, they'll pay that man to go turn. I don't know who the next goaltender is. They got too many different ones right now well, in Toronto. Freddie Anderson, is going to right? Be. Like Freddie Anderson could definitely use some guidance. Like he, yeah. Freddie Anderson's a good goalie. He's got the tools. He just has struggled to put it together in the last couple of years. And you yeah. know, if there's anybody that can get him back, it's Ian Clark. And if he, if you know, if Woodley's talking about that on 650, he's not just saying that. You know, I, I'm not going to say he's hearing that directly from Ian Clark, but Woodley knows what he's saying when he's talking about stuff like that. Well, so, yeah, he, he's probably not hearing that from Clark, just to be clear. He's probably hearing that, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not going to speculate where he's hearing it from, but listen, you know, the dude, it, yeah, the dude runs in gold magazine. He's, he's talking to a lot of goalies and a lot of goaltender coaches. He, he knows what's going on. Basically I mean, this, what we're this saying, relationship feels like it's over between Ian Clark and the Canucks. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's fair. But basically what we're saying is Kevin Woodley doesn't make stuff up. That's all we're just, that's all we're trying to say here. <laughs> Absolutely. You do want to do you want to rip him again like you did last week? Do you want to I didn't say rip him. Than, I just said that he asked me for my opinion on Archer Silovs cuz he hasn't seen a lot of him. He, Kevin and I go back and forth, man. We're homies, okay? Okay. Fair enough. I think uh we might end up seeing him on Monday. Both uh both you and I going to be in attendance for the Botchford project night uh to be there with Lachlan, Clarissa and Arash. Uh that's going to be a lot of fun, man. That's that's kind of the thing like you know, it's Friday night, we're recording, you know, I should be looking forward to the weekend, but I know that, unfortunately, I just have a lot of work to do this weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to Monday, man, and getting a chance to, uh, you know, to meet Clarissa in person. I've already met Lachlan before, and meet Arash as well, so to see all them at the rink for their first NHL game is media. That's that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to Monday, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so cool to see them. I'm not going to call them kids because they're probably all older than me. That was that was not my <laughs> finest moment. I went back and listened to that. And I was like, yeah, those Botford Project kids. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was a tough look. 
That's good. I think you should go with the hello fellow kids look uh, on Monday then for oh, sure. Man. You can't suit up. You got to go, got to go old school with it a little bit. Yep, yep, exactly. I'll wear a wear a shirt that says music band with a lightning yep. lightning bolt in the middle. Music band checks out. Yeah, that absolutely checks out. All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up there. This this podcast is going down the drain over the past thirty seconds here, <laughs> uh, but we're we're super excited, man. I'm super excited to see the Botchford Project, folks, and. Uh, and continue on that legacy for sure, help in any way that we can. Uh, so we'll, we'll basically just wrap it up there. Anything else you wanted to close out with quads? I know, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for sponsors, but we talked about that already. You know, the yeah. show's on its third consecutive month of beating its personal record on listens. You know, breaking the record over the past three months. That's a nice showing for the for the guys here at Connects Convo. So yeah, shoot us a DM if, you're, if you got a business <laughs> and you're interested in uh, promoting it here on the podcast. The guys here at Canucks Combo. There's two employees at Canucks Combo, and it's the two people on air right now. We do everything here. Um, oh, <laughs> well, PJ's partially. PJ partially did the taxes. He did half oh, the yeah, taxes. PJ did the taxes. <laughs> He's on amazing. board. PJ's part of the team. Harmon's PJ. pretty much been on enough. Harmon's part of the team. Yeah, Harmon. Harmon's. Harmon's. Yeah, Harmon uh, does contribute. He's our regular contributor on this show. But we I did want to add. Unfortunately, Corey left. Corey left. Yes, that's right. Walked Corey was us. actually technically kind of an employee. He was part of the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was. Yeah, he was. Um, the last thing I did want to add, Chris, is I, I know we were asking for more sponsors, but how about the sponsor that we do have on the show still? Odd Shark. Uh, little, little, that one. We're not going to do a full betting segment, but you should go check out our friends at oddshark.com. Go check them out. You can find a lot of different betting trends and stuff. And I'm sorry, but I'm talking a lot about baseball lately, guys. Baseball season is here. And take the over on you Darvish strikeouts. That guy is a machine. Okay, you have to take the over on you Darvish, and you know, t- monitor it because the over seems to go up with every start he makes. Like, I, and same with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, I think the over was at eleven, and I took the over, which was risky, but I think he ended up with thirteen. Like Trevor Bauer is striking out batters left, right, and center. He's definitely using a substance, uh, it, it looks like, and he, he's tweeted about it, and, you know, it, it's a whole thing that I won't get into on a hockey podcast, but he is striking out a lot of batters, and they count all just the same. So go check out our friends at Odd Shark. Go get some MLB betting advice. Maybe some NHL one, too. Like, this is a hockey podcast, so, yeah, get some well, NHL tips, too. Let me take back too. my bet. Yeah, let me take back my bet from a couple weeks ago about the Canucks at, at I think it was 150 or 15,000-plus. To, to win the Stanley Cup, let me just take that one back real quick. Don't don't throw a quick five ten dollars on that bet. Take that back. Um, I still got it. I got the five the five dollars can turn into seven hundred and fifty for me if the Canucks win the cup. So let's roll, baby. Then I'll I'll sponsor the freaking show if I win that. Um, all right, so we'll wrap things up there. Nothing really else to dive into. Lots of great talk about Cole Lynn, Mikey DiPietro this week. Um, got some exciting stuff coming up in the future. Uh, some some kind of we're gonna shift into draft coverage a little bit with some you know not specifically you and I, but bringing on some guests that know a lot more than you and I. So that's gonna be fun over the next couple weeks here. Um, and I think you might be missing an episode too, right, Quad? the wisdom teeth are coming out you might be missing one here wisdom teeth are coming out maybe we'll do a patreon episode where i i do an episode for like the day after wisdom teeth surgery but we'll see how i'm oh, feeling geez. before i commit to yeah that. speaking of patreon check out the patreon we we got to do it i think we got to do an episode this weekend quads i think we got to do one sunday it's been a long time since we put out a patreon episode so uh we'll, we will be putting one out very soon sunday or monday i'm gonna say um, you know, I'm going to crack the whip on you here quads. Cause you crack it on me for articles all the time. We got to get a Patreon out, 
either Sunday or Monday for the folks. So patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. We'll dive into a bunch of non-hockey topics and uh, have a lot of fun over there on the Patreon. And we swear. We get to swear on the Patreon. So kids, don't do it. Don't reach into your mom's wallet and pull out a visa so you can get a Patreon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just don't, don't discourage customers, Chris. If you're a paying customer, don't. if you want to go find mommy and daddy's credit card, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The old semi-pro line there. You reach into your mom's purse, you pull out about $40, and you come down. You watch Jackie Moon wrestle a bear. All right, uh, we'll wrap things up there. For my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.